What's up? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Monday Evening Fancast Daily Show here. Um, got me today, just uh, by myself here. Um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get into some uh, some news here. Let's see. Get this pulled up here. Uh, all right, guys. So uh, first, first news story I want to touch on here is Josh Allen. So Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills has said that he wants to restructure his contract to keep the team competitive. Those are his words. Um, And I think this is awesome. Josh Allen is the type of guy that would absolutely do something like this. It's really cool to see. I think he is aware of what the, uh, the current NFL, what it takes to win in the current NFL. And a lot of what that is from a salary cap standpoint seems to be finding a quarterback who is not necessarily going to break the bank so you can put the pieces around him that you need, right? Some of these uh, high-dollar positions, like pass rushers, um, you know, to some degree corners and receivers, to be able to afford those type of guys and have them on your roster, you need a quarterback that's on somewhat of a team-friendly deal. It doesn't have to be insanely team-friendly by any means, but you certainly need someone who is... Uh, you know, not making the $30, $40 million contract um, to be able to fill in some of those other positions if you're not drafting at those positions. Now, there are obviously exceptions to this. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has paid a lot as a Packers fan, and they've been able to put a team around him. However, over the years, and me and Scott have talked about this privately, Packers have lacked depth over the years. And I think that what that comes from is the, the fact that they have to pay a guy like Rodgers so much. And if you can save a little bit of money at quarterback, you're able to do a lot in the league. And it looks like Josh Allen is really trying to do that. So him looking to, to be able to have his deal be a team-friendly deal to some degree is really awesome to see. And he's just a hell of a guy. He's the type of leader, I think, that would absolutely do something like that. And it's what the team needs, quite frankly. I think that for the Bills, you know, to have that type of leader that's really a galvanizing force, I think that's uh, incredibly helpful uh, for them, as it would be for any team. But it is awesome to see him looking at that as an option. So. I think uh, we'll see how that plays out moving forward, but really cool to see him come out and be that type of guy. Now, I am curious what like his agent and people around him think of that, but overall, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, he's the one that's making the decision. So, pretty awesome. Uh, great news for the Buffalo Bills, a team that I am very excited about, a team I love, have a personal connection to. Uh, my dad's from Buffalo. Uh, both of my brothers are huge Bills fans, so really awesome. Um, to see, to see that. Uh, so moving on, let's talk about uh, Jameis Winston. So I would encourage everybody uh, to go check out this Barstool article that I read about Jameis Winston. Now the title of the article is Jameis Winston won't stop training with his friends. And it is fantastic. It's a phenomenal article. It'll probably take you like five minutes to read through it, but it is awesome. If you subscribe to the newsletter, I have the link to it in there. But uh, basically, the article breaks down Jameis Winston's offseason workouts. And Jameis Winston has sort of become notorious in, in his time in the NFL for these crazy workout videos that come out of him where he's doing things that I would describe as uh, not exactly practical. A lot of the drills are these sort of like circus drills. I um, I come from a basketball background, right? I've actually um, been lucky enough to work on the media side of a company that uh, trains professional basketball players, gets guys ready for the draft and stuff like that. In that uh, line of work on the basketball side of things, 
we see these guys as the equivalent of the guys that are training with all of the crazy gear. They got the goggles where you can't look down. They've got the tennis balls going on. They're jumping over a hula hoop here. We're going to shoot like this. And it's a bunch of drills that are never simulating anything that's actually going to happen in a game. And on the NFL side of things, where you see what Jameis Winston is, a lot of these drills in the article that I'm talking about on Barstool does like a phenomenal job of breaking this down where they have videos of all the different workouts. But it's everything from him like moving away from like a heavy bag, like he's a boxer. Um, they've got him working on my favorite one. And I'll, I'll share this one with you guys. Is there's a drill where Jameis Winston is basically um, on like the goal line. And he's taking like a three-step drop. So he's he's getting the ball and he's taking a three-step drop. But in his hands, he's holding a baseball bat. Or uh, it's a lacrosse stick, actually. But without the top, like the net part on it. So it looks kind of like a, just like a stick, like a baseball bat. And he's dropping back like into his throat and then swinging the bat. So apparently this is supposed to do the equivalent of the Dak Prescott, like, hoot, hoot, hoot thing that he does where he like twists his hips and it's, you guys have seen that before. It looks like a crazy, like a salsa sort of a uh, dance motion. Uh, looks ridiculous. It's, um, the, the, I don't know what that sound does, but well, I guess that, I guess that would be the sound you would make doing that. But anyway, the, uh. The reality here is James Winston apparently is doing this drill with this lacrosse stick that is supposed to sort of engage the hips in the same way that I guess that Dak Prescott uh, situation does. And it is uh, hilarious to watch because essentially you have James Winston, a starting quarterback in the NFL, dropping back, holding a small baseball bat and then swinging as if that is somehow going to be relevant to the game of football. Um, a lot of these workouts are amazing, but the problem is, is that James Winston apparently loves working out with these guys, loves... Um, you know, training with them. So he just actively is constantly training with them. I believe he's working with them right now, currently still. And so I don't know how you feel about this. If you're a Saints fan, I really don't. I'm curious because I like Jameis Winston as a quarterback. He's, he's a fascinating character. I think he's an incredibly interesting human. I, I'm not saying that you have to like him even. I'm just saying that I think that we could all agree that Jameis Winston is certainly uh newsworthy certainly a notable character in the NFL landscape and I like him as a player he had that year where he had like 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and then he got LASIK which is I mean that's like a stand-up bit writing itself right there um that they do through 30 interceptions they got eye surgery however I I do think there is a lot of raw talent there and I think we've seen glimpses of it I think that year he like led the NFL in touchdowns and interceptions I think we've seen glimpses of of really impressive uh, NFL quarterback ability out of him. And I wonder to myself, like, are these drills getting him better? I don't know. I, I also don't know that they're, like, making him a ton worse. I think he's comfortable working out with his friends. I think these things are quirky, but, like, I also don't think it's realistic to imagine this is all that he is doing. I don't think Jameis Winston is just going out there and, only doing these drills. I'm sure he's still doing a lot of stuff that translates really well to the, the NFL football field. And I'm just kind of excited to see what comes uh, with Jameis this year. I think he's a good quarterback. Do I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league? Absolutely not. But I do think he's a good quarterback. Do I think he's a quarterback that's good enough to win a Super Bowl? Yes. I mean, I do think that's the case. Won a national championship in college. I think there have been quarterbacks throughout NFL history that have figured out how to win a Super Bowl that people thought there was no way that they would be able to. And so I think Jameis Winston's a lot better than a lot of those guys. I just, 
like I said, some of these videos are amazing. Some of the stuff they have been working on is uh, just, there's no way, shape, or form it's, it's going to ever remotely resemble a situation that he would see in the NFL. And uh, if there's one thing that you go check out today, I would encourage you to check that out on Barstool. So anyway, moving on to uh, 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 another pretty awesome story is that uh, Carl Nassib, the Raiders defensive end who um, came out as gay the other day, has uh, a top-selling jersey in the NFL. Uh, yes, uh, it is Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib has top-selling NFL jersey at Fanatics in one day since his announcement. And so he's selling a bunch of jerseys, of course. He has me and Scott talked about it on the show yesterday that we would both love to love to get a Carl Nassib jersey at this point. And I think it's awesome because now the – the fans are able to show their support uh, for him, not only on social media and with their voice, but they're able to show it with their their money, and they're able to go purchase his jersey, show him how much they support him, and how much they appreciate his, uh, his bravery, to be honest with you. I think that it's a really brave thing for that guy to do because he's it's not like there's a path ahead of him. He's kind of making the path here, right? He's the first uh, currently like uh, in the NFL player to come out, and so... It's obviously a very brave thing to do. Think of your person, um, really anyone. I think everybody can kind of understand how much stress that decision must have, have had on him and how much it weighed on him. And I think everybody appreciates somebody for being able to be brave and and come out in that way in such like a, a national, or knowing, I guess, that the national spotlight would come for him is probably the way to say that. Knowing that he would all of a sudden be sort of thrust into this um, world of media attention. And I think it's really cool that he, he was able to, um, to get all these Jersey sales after, after that announcement. So really cool to see the fans stepping up and showing their support. And at this point in time, man, I mean, if you got a problem with this guy being gay, like what, go crawl back in the hole that you came out of. Are you kidding me right now with this? Like, you gotta be kidding me. Don't give me some nonsense, like, reason why and you don't like get out of here like whatever reason you have I don't think there's a lot of people out there like that I think that's why you see the jersey sales but at the end of the day still good to let the um the positivity and the voices of the people that are in support of him shine more than the negative voices right and the best way to do that is to buy a jersey to talk about it on social media to like uh retweet the stories to maybe share personal anecdotes whatever it is to continue to put the positive spotlight that Carl Nassib deserves to have right now um, for, for, you know, having the courage to, to come out and donate to the Trevor project and things like that is just really awesome. And so, yeah, just, just important that everybody keeps, you know, if you support him, like, I think it's cool to like use your voice to say that we live in like a society nowadays where like you have the opportunity to share your voice and uh, no matter what you think the audience people paying attention to you is, I do think it's important to, Always like let the positivity in the world shine through and um, be the loudest voice in the room, right? Because I do think that the loudest voice in the room a lot of times is the one that gets heard nowadays. And so let's let that support for Carla and NASA be the be the loudest voice in the room. I think that's awesome. Um, so anyway, uh, moving on. Staying in that division, though. I do want to stay in that division here. Um, Fox Sports. I wish this is... See... I think we may have gave Fox Sports a little too much credit yesterday on the show um, for the headlines that they've been 
writing now because I'll be honest, uh, you know, the article that they, they wrote today is that the Kansas City Chiefs swagger is at an all-time high. And I I just, once again, I maybe that's coming from the Chiefs. I shouldn't be so critical of Fox Sports, uh, but I'm going to continue to be. I don't know um, when when they really are just wildly off on some of these things. I will continue to point it out. I don't know how your swagger can be at an all-time high when you just lost the Super Bowl. Just being honest with you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a swagger to you. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel good about your team. I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel good about where you're at. Say that your swagger is at an all-time high after you lost the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, the conference that you play in got a lot better. The NFL as a whole, to be honest with uh, you, got a lot better seems kind of ridiculous. Like, that is a, a kind of a ridiculous statement to make. I'm glad, I guess, that they feel good. But at the end of the day, you lost the Super Bowl. So you didn't get the job done last year in the way that you wanted. And like I said, the league got better. I think that Tom Brady, as much as I do not like Tom Brady, and if you're a fan of this show, you know how I feel about Tom Brady. As much as I don't like Tom Brady, I think he was right earlier this year when he said, Hey, guys, let's kind of chill out on the repeat talk. I think he was um, trying to sort of curb some of the expectations a little bit for for their team and not come out as overly confident and try to portray to the guys in his locker room, hey, we have a lot of work to do. We, we don't need to be walking around like, hey, we won the Super Bowl last year. It's just going to happen this year. And with the Chiefs talking about, hey, we feel great like into this upcoming year, that's awesome. But an all-time high is the issue that I, I take with that because that just seems kind of ridiculous. I mean, you're in the conference now with the Tennessee Titans team that absolutely, in my opinion, has your number. That is a real defense. And now you have to play against an offense that has Julio Jones uh, on one side of the field, A.J. Brown on the other side, and Derrick Henry in the backfield. That is not an easy out. The Buffalo Bills have kept a continuity with their roster and their coaching staff that is truly impressive. They are not an easy out. You just played them last year in the AFC Championship game, let alone the entire NFC, let alone the fact that you're going to play a first-place schedule uh, all season. I just don't understand how you could feel that you have that swagger in that way. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, always good to have your locker room feeling optimistic, but an all-time high, I just... I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I take a little issue with that. I don't think that's too unreasonable, but either way, we'll see. We'll see. Can the Chiefs make it back to the Super Bowl again? I mean, we will see, right? Um, let's see here. Moving on to, oh, CBS Sports. Okay. So CBS Sports runs a story here where, uh, they say, they talk about how Tim Tebow was, uh, not invited to tight end university. and um, I, I, I don't know why this would be surprising to anyone. I, like, could it possibly be that he wasn't invited to the tight end university because he has never played tight end in a football game ever in, like, it's not happened. He's not a, been a tight end before this off season. Is that possibly why he did not get invited to tight end university? Could that be because he's never played the position in an actual game before? Like, yeah, like, come on. Like, duh. Like, it's like at some point in time, things, like, are just going to be merit-based. Like, I understand that we live in a society where the media drives a lot of things, right? And sort of clout and hype are a lot of what drives um, decision-making in society here. But I do think in the culture of sports, 
especially like in the culture of a very specific position in a very specific sport, I think that the people that are involved in that are probably looking at things and trying to have more of a meritocracy. And the reality is to get a meritocracy in the NFL uh, positionally at a camp called Tight End University where we're bringing all the best tight ends, you have to take people who have played tight end before in the NFL. If Tim Tebow has a great season this year, I am sure he will be invited to tight end university next year. But if anybody's shocked that they wouldn't invite Tim Tebow to tight end university, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. He hasn't done it before. So, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more torn, I think, than me and Scott have talked about this on the show. He's a little more optimistic on the Tebow front. I think we have to wait and see. I'm excited to see him, but I do think we have to wait and see because I do think there are probably some guys that are were undrafted free agents this year. There are probably some guys that got drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round of this year's draft that are far more equipped to play the position of tight end and have success in the modern NFL. I think Tim Tebow is a guy you want in the locker room. I think Urban Meyer knows that. I think he can maybe provide you some uh, more ticket sales, I guess. But at the end of the day, we got to see first before we throw old Tim Tebow in the tight end university. But, uh, Anyway, guys, since I'm on here solo today, I kind of thought that um, what we could do is I thought uh, I could kind of go over a little bit of the newsletter that I wrote today. I haven't kind of covered it before. Now, the newsletter that I write, I write it every day. It's free. Um, The link's in the description below. You can find that and um, subscribe to it. It'll just come to your email inbox every day, um, completely free of charge. Uh, It's completely cited and sourced um, uh, for all the articles that I do, but... Anyway, it's been a little while since I've kind of discussed one of the newsletters on the show, I feel like. So let's talk about the one that I I did today here to wrap up. Um, Today's article uh, is titled, This is how much it costs to take a family of four to an NFL game in 2021. And uh, as I'm sure you guys can guess, it is a shitload of money. It is so much money. Like, it is absolutely insane. So I went ahead and I dove into some of the numbers here. I'm going to pull this up so I can make sure I, I get these right. So. In the NFL, if you want to go to an NFL game, the average cost that you are going to pay for a ticket right now is $104.73. And that represents a 24% increase since 2014. So I think that you probably would have been in the ballpark of like 100 bucks a ticket if you guessed. And I think that we're all kind of aware of that as NFL fans, but The reality is that is a ton of money for a ticket to an NFL game for that to be the average ticket price. And so I kind of broke this article down. I looked at a bunch of different things that you would you would honestly do at an NFL game, the average family of four. So you would need tickets. You would also have to take food and beverages into into account. So the way I looked at it was imagine that everybody's going to get a hot dog and everybody's going to get a drink. So let's say a beer for each of the adults, let's say two adults, two kids, and a a soft drink for each of the kids, and then four hot dogs. Now look, I'm going to be totally honest with you. That's me being incredibly conservative. Um, I went ahead and doubled it just because I do think the cost, I don't think you're sitting through a whole three-hour NFL game with your family, and you're having one beer and one hot dog. You know, at the end of the day, that seems kind of unrealistic. Um, A lot of football fans in this country you'd be bringing your family for are teenagers. They eat a ton of food. So I think, realistically, let's go ahead and double it. But anyway, to, to get two beers, two soft drinks, and four hot dogs at the average NFL game, 
will cost you $49.96. So if we double that, that's $100 on food. So you're paying $100 per ticket. You're paying $100 for food. Then you have to park. You're not walking to the stadium. Like at the end of the day, you're going to have to park. And I, I went ahead and looked at the Raiders. Now they built a brand new stadium. Don't get me wrong. I understand things are a little more expensive in Vegas. But I do kind of feel like we're splitting hairs if we're going to talk about the parking might be $10 cheaper somewhere else. Probably going to spend that $10, you know, in some other aspect. I think we're kind of splitting hairs. The Las Vegas Raiders' average cost for their parking passes this year is going to be $75. So $75 just to park, just to be able to go to the game and park. And then finally, I wanted to talk about merchandise because I'm going to be honest with you. If you're spending hundreds of dollars on food and drinks and parking and tickets, you're probably going to buy a fucking t-shirt to remember the day where you spend a bunch of money creating this memory for your family. You're probably going to let your family buy a t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Realistically speaking, if we're talking about the average American family, yeah, you know what? A parent is probably going to, or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or whoever is probably going to buy the kid a t-shirt. To remember that you went to the de- uh, to the game, right? And so right now, merchandise in an NFL stadium, the average is between $15 and $32. I just went ahead and split the difference. So we can call that $24.50. Um, and at that level, what that would mean would be four t-shirts is another $100. So if you break this all down, I went ahead and got the exact numbers here. You would be looking at $691.84 to bring a family of four to an NFL game. And that's the average. That's just the average cost of all these things. Almost $700 for you to take your family to one NFL game. It's preposterous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's preposterous that that's the case. Especially, and this is the part that really drives me crazy. Especially when you consider that that $691 represents over 12% of the monthly income for the average American family. And that just, it's unbelievable to me. And the part that really pisses me off is you look and there's only eight NFL teams that even sold out in 2019. So two thirds of the league can't even fill all the seats that they're charging this ridiculous amount of money for. You can't even get people in the seats. Why is it so expensive then? You can't even sell out the stadium and you're preventing people from having the opportunity to go to these games. And it just pisses me off because when I was a kid, I was lucky enough. My parents made enough money. I was lucky enough for my dad to be able to take me. Me and my dad went. We went up to Lambeau Field. We got to watch a Bears-Packers game. Had awesome tickets. We were like right, um, like right in uh, the one end zone. It was awesome. Like right there. You could see everything. It was so cool. And like I was just really lucky to be able to do that. And I'm sure it cost that dude a ton of money to be able to bring me. Like I'm sure my dad, that cost him a lot of money. And it was awesome to be able to go there and watch the Bears and the Packers. I am a huge Packers fan. It was such a cool experience, and it only made me more of a fan of the team, and it was cool, it was awesome, it was a memory of me and my dad. It's just like all these positive things. I'm sure he had a good time. Like, you know, it was just, it's awesome. And like the fact that people are not able to do that because a team is not, it was not even filling their stadium, is deciding to have their average ticket price be $100 is crazy. And look, at the end of the day, I get it. A lot of people are going to complain and say that this is, Uh, The players get paid too much. And obviously, that's a freaking very uh, get-off-my-lawn take. I don't think that take is very thoughtful, if I'm being totally honest. Um, To to be upset at the players 
is kind of silly. I mean, at the end of the day, do you want them to make less? If you work for a company that makes something, let's say you work for a company that makes whatever product, and the people that own that company price that product at a certain amount to be able to pay your salary, and everyone's screaming at you that you should get paid less, and because the people are having to pay too much for the product, you should get paid less, you would be very frustrated. You would be like, I don't think I need to get paid less. What about the people that own this company and all the money that they're making? Like, couldn't we adjust the price and they would just make a little bit less money? And I think that's that's really what it comes down to with the owners of these teams, right? I really place the blame on the owners of these teams. I think it's it's the greed of the owners that has caused a lot of these these problems in the NFL. Look, to... Um, at the end of the day, the argument that I would make to you, I guess, goes like this. COVID-19 showed us that the, the NFL knows how to adjust their revenue strategy, especially with advertisers, to be able to make money without needing all of those ticket sales. And I understand you're going to say, well, they pay the players so much and they need the money to pay the players, so they have to make the tickets. What I'm saying to you is the NFL salary cap went up by $5 million per team this year after they didn't have any fucking fans in the stands last year. So you can't really argue to me that there aren't other mechanisms to be able to, for the NFL to still make money, still play the players. And bring some of these costs down. Like, we don't need to blame the players' salaries on all of this. Like, they, teams were able to figure this out with their advertisers absolutely during COVID. And they would be able to figure it out in a host of ways uh, moving forward. I think that's absolutely the case. They would absolutely be able to figure this out. They're just getting new media deals left and right. There are plenty of ways to be able to figure this out. And unfortunately, you know, we're in a situation where I just think, and I ended the article like this, I just think. We're either headed in a direction where it's going to cost $500 per ticket on average to go to an NFL game at some point, or the fans are going to have to come together in some form of like almost collective bargaining and be like, look, we just, we're not going to do this. You know, like we can't do this anymore. And it's nothing, it's, it's nothing against the players. It's not an issue with those players. I really think it comes down to ownership, making the changes that they need to make, figuring out what they need to figure out. But at the end of the day, I really think that what happens is I think the owners gladly pay the players more, right, to then turn around and uh, raise ticket prices and then leak to the media or tell the media, Hey, like if we if the players were making so much, we would, you know, we could obviously uh, wouldn't have to have these ticket prices that crazy. But at the end of the day, the owners are the ones uh, agreeing to raise the salary cap every year. The owners are the ones that want to uh, pay the player that are paying the players more because they want to get better players on their team. And so I just don't think it's fair for that narrative to always be spun that way. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just I think until you can fill your stadium need to maybe bring some of those prices down because you're not selling any of those fucking tickets anyway. So I think for two-thirds of the league that can't fill your stadium, your owner needs to figure out how to fill your stadium. And probably bringing ticket prices down a little bit would help that. But anyway, at the end of the day, I hope we can get it figured out because I do think it's awesome. I think all young NFL fans should be able to attend a game. I think going to sporting events um, as a kid is awesome. I think everybody should be able to do it. I think it's one of those things that we should try to do uh, more. I think people should be looking for opportunities to do that more. If you have a kid that's athletic um, or enjoys sports in any capacity, take them to a professional game if you can. If you can, take them to a professional game. And also, if you have a voice, like I said earlier when I was talking about Carl Nassib, use your voice. Use your voice to talk about how these ticket prices are kind of ridiculous. As long as I'm writing this newsletter and working on this show, this is going to be one of the issues that I talk about. I think we need to bring those ticket prices down. I think it starts with the owners. 
And I think at the end of the day, the fans can affect a change there. So I'd love to see that happen. I would love to see ticket prices go down for a year um, or at least stay stagnant because they've raised every year. I think the thing I saw went back to 2006. They go up every freaking year. So um, anyway, I guess that's a bit of a rant, but hopefully uh, hopefully you at least appreciate maybe the way that I think about these things. And um, even if we don't agree, uh, I do try to lay out the facts. I try to be as thorough as possible with uh, with those newsletters. I really enjoy writing them, to be honest. So just if you're seeing this, Check it out. It's I do it every day, you know, cover a wide variety of things. But anyway, I wanted to end on that note today. Um, I'll be back uh, back on tomorrow with Scott. We'll do the Friday show. As you guys know, the Friday show is usually a little bit a uh, little bit shorter. Um, and, uh, you know, but we'll be back on. We'll get a rock and, and uh, you know, head into the weekend strong. So Thirsty Thursday, you guys enjoy it. And uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Adios.